0: She's like a world-class founder, and you can see why Spanx was so successful and why she was so strategic in making this. But Spanx got their claim to fame with their first product, which was Shapewear. So this first product that Sarah built was really to solve a need that she had.
1: Welcome to Product Explain, a show where we talk about products and the company's history and strategy behind them. I'm your first host, Jeff Lee.
0: And I'm your co-host, Michael Kazarian. Jeff, today we're going to talk about something that you and I are probably knew little to nothing about before today.
1: Mm, There's a lot of those topics. This is going to be like an eight-hour episode. I think so. Uh, Today's (laughs) show, we're talking about Spanx, an American underwear brand.
0: Yeah, so Spanx is a company that makes women's clothing, and this uh, episode is inspired by our masterclass episode. So give that a a listen if you like this one. But the first masterclass that I took was uh, Sarah Blakely, who's the founder of Spanx. Who Jeff will dive deep into. You, but you know, I've never used Spanx or worn Spanx, but you know, just hearing Sarah talk the masterclass was just absolutely incredible. And she's like a world class founder, and you can see why Spanx was so successful and why she was so strategic in making this. But Spanx got their claim to fame with their first product, which was shapewear. So this first product that Sarah built was really to solve a need that she had. She wanted to look great in white pants. It's super simple, you know, like before, you know, I don't know anything about this because I'm not a woman. I've never worn white pants and like had panty lines, but she didn't want to have panty lines. She wanted to, you know, feel like nice and trim. So what she did is she actually took pantyhose that she had and she cut the feet off. So she didn't have underwear lines and her body felt sculpted. And this started her whole journey of launching the business. And so since that original product idea, they've grown to so much more and so much more new categories. So that includes leggings, clothing, activewear, bras, panties, maternity clothing, really everything under the sun to be that holistic women's clothing band brand rather and they're even getting into men's clothing, which is interesting. I actually oh. didn't get a chance to click through and see the the men's products, but I thought that was interesting that they're starting to dive into that as a brand. But listening to, to listening to Sarah speak is just absolutely empowering. She's so passionate. You know, Spanx's purpose is to quote empower women. Their mission is to quote to invent and to enhance products that promote comfort and confidence in women, and that mission and that vision and that purpose comes through so strongly with Sarah. It's Mm -hmm. just incredible. And it's, I keep referencing this and she's definitely kind of that core personality, a persona of the brand, but it's a huge reason why they've been so successful. So we can talk simply about Spanx's business model. Spanx's business model, it's a widget business model. You know, we've talked about previously on the show is you create a design, you mark it up and you sell it. What I thought was interesting in, from Sarah's masterclass is that She has a really interesting rule of thumb here. So she has this really keen ability to break down complex topics into easily digestible nuggets of information that are actionable. So her rule of thumb for markup is whatever your costs are, you should be able to sell that at retail for 5X. So if you're making a widget that costs $10 to manufacture, you should charge customers $50. That's like... (laughs) Like very simple, so she could do the quick math and she was, you know, in the factories, you know, pitching the first idea of Spanx um, to just up and quickly understand and you know, hey, like we need to uh, sell this if it's going to cost me twenty five dollars for one hundred and twenty five dollars, you know, so on and so forth. Um, also, diving into Spanx's business model, which makes Spanx a little bit different, is their go to market strategies. So, Sarah wanted to come in at the higher end of the market, and she also didn't want to promote so she rarely promotes Spanx products and so the reason why she said this is she didn't want to train customers to always look for a discount you know because if you start to train customers that hey i can get this for x percent off like that might be actually become a purchase barrier because customers might just wait for the wait for a discount code wait for a promo so she wanted to really just anchor to that premium brand is like hey like this is our shape where you know it's a very <clears throat> differentiated product it's unique it's solving a problem that every woman has, and we need to make sure that it, you know, it holds up to that and has that value. So it was really interesting where she just placed that in the high end of the market segment. And also I'll talk about later, like how it helps her enter different channels. But that's Spanx in a, in a nutshell. Like we could dive into all the different products, but Sarah almost feels like the product for this episode <laughs> of, of Product Explained. But yeah, Jeff, that's a, you know, how, how much like, thought have you put into Spanx before this episode is, is maybe how I'll transition to you.
1: So not a lot of thought behind Spanx specifically. However, so Spanx is headquartered in Atlanta and I'm from Atlanta. I've been around the Spanx headquarters before, like that area. So I'm aware of the product. I'm aware of Sarah, of course, but I haven't like dug too much deep into the specific products, the history behind it, etc. until we prepared for this episode. I wanted to also bring up this anecdote about Sarah. So apparently she surprised all of her employees with two first class plane tickets and $10,000 as kind of like a thank you. That's sort of the CEO that she is. It sounds like a lot of the people that work for the Spanx company and the brands are really just you know galvanized around her as a leader. So I think that's critically important. We don't really talk about culture on the show a lot uh, in terms of companies, but building up a really strong culture for the company is such a really great way to get people to deliver on your mission, especially in this case for inventing and enhancing products that promote comfort and confidence in women. So I, I thought that that was great. Um, you know, I think people really like working for, for Sarah and Spanx, and so that, that probably is a big contributor to all of their success
0: totally and so she had like a whole like lesson on master class on building a culture and talking mm, about you know okay. hiring the right people the timing you know and just having that critical culture so it was definitely like a, a super critical part of that and an interesting anecdote from this master class is she talked about her first hire at Spanx was actually an operator and so she mm-hmm. just like you know she's like i am a saleswoman <coughs> i I'm a person that knows how to communicate with people and get out, but I need someone that actually understands and can run this business. That's Mm. like, I need to hire for my weakness. And then it was interesting that the second hire, which is like kind of unheard of for like a hardware company, was actually a a PR person with no PR experience. So like the, the, the PR person was just someone that was like, I guess like they were out for like a walk and like this woman had just found her product and was just talking about how passionate it was she, she about this product and how it solves all these problems and sarah just stopped her was like hey like do you want to just be my pr person like like say like say whatever you just said to me but say it to the public because like yeah. you're passionate about this and you um can grow this business and then the th- third hire for sarah was just an assistant um just for two weeks like someone that just could help her like mm-hmm. uh you know plan her calendars do all this stuff but that person ended up becoming her uh, product developer because, you know, when Sarah hired this assistant, she really just wanted an extension of herself. Um, so oh, Sarah I could see. go do what she wanted to do and go sell. But this person was so good at, you know, coming up with like ideas and they had Sarah's same like flavor and vision that they became a product developer. So super interesting how it's like, you know, she had this culture. She just found these really passionate people that could really drive a product home or really aligned with the the product mission and and, and purpose. So um, yeah, a bit of an anecdote and lots of those from my (laughs) masterclass.
1: Yeah. I'm also interested in the like know your worth portion of this, which is do not uh, necessarily go into promotional strategy and rarely promote. I think there's a couple other brands that do similar things or they do, they spend like no ad dollars or try not to spend any ad dollars and they kind of put all their eggs in the viral basket or the, you know, tell your friends NPS sort of basket. So I think that's also interesting. My guess here is that a lot of people that heard about Spanx heard a little bit about how good the product was from other people that bought spanks right and not necessarily from spanks themselves and there's a lot more i guess social proof when it comes to hearing it from your friends and family about like hey this thing is great you should buy this and then you do your own research and dig into it you learn more about the company and the brand and the culture and you're like hey yeah i can get behind something like this like i don't need to um hear it from them in some ad which is the traditional way so i thought that was really interesting as well
0: totally and the last like um thing that i'll (coughs) say because i'm like reading my notes is uh Sarah said that culture eats strategy for breakfast. And I absolutely love that because it's Mm, so true. Yeah.
1: So let's chat about the history of the product. I think Sarah is a really interesting founder. So originally Spanx was founded in 2000 by uh, obviously Sarah in her apartment. Prior to that, she was um, a graduate of Florida State University and she was selling fax machines in the Florida heat. So she's going door to door or maybe I guess office to office trying to sell fax machines. And she wanted a better alternative for pantyhose, which is something that Mike had mentioned as well she didn't want seam toes and then she didn't want the i guess like the seams to run up her leg after she cut them uh funny story i had to ask my wife what a seam toe was like i had no <laughs> clue uh, and she was like it's just seams of the toes i'm like what does that mean i was like very confused about um that concept uh she invested five thousand dollars into her company and moved to atlanta at the age of 27 to explore her concept so she was kind of testing this like hosiery prototype with friends and family, focusing on custom sized waistbands instead of one size fits all approaches, which is what everyone else was doing kind of in the pantyhose business. And then she intelligently d- decided to patent her design. When she was exploring names, Atlanta is famous for Coca-Cola, for example, she was thinking about names that had strong brands. Uh, Coca-Cola and Kodak were names that came to mind, which is funny because Kodak is like I think not as popular now. Um,
0: (laughs) Rochester's finest, man.
1: (laughs) Oh, really? It's a Rochester thing? It is. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Gotcha. This is where our worlds collide. Um, (laughs) Coca-Cola and Kodak both have K sounds. uh, And her research showed that constructed names were more successful and easier to register as a trademark. So she replaced the K's sounds with an X. And that's where she came up with the name Spanx. Early on, she met with uh, Neiman Marcus. This is kind of like that you know, when you hear founder stories, there's always that like one pivotal moment. I think this is the pivotal moment. So she met with Neiman Marcus and I guess the meeting wasn't going very well. And she basically told the person from the the Neiman Marcus, I guess like VP or representative, Hey, just come into the bathroom with me uh, and like watch me change into these pantyhose and watch how easy it is. It was a, you know, a female associate. And she said, you know, I, I I just knew it was my one shot. So I said, you know what, Diane, will you come with me to the bathroom um, and Diane said, excuse me. And she says, I know, I know it's a little weird. Will you just please come with me to the bathroom? I want to show you my own product before and after. And she said, okay. Um, after that happened, Diane got it. She, she understood the point then. And the product was actually piloted in seven the Marcus stores after this meeting. So again, like back against the wall, uh, Sarah did, you know, what was at that time, like really, really difficult and just said, Hey, you know what, I'm going to kind of throw my pitch out the window and just like show you the practicality of the product here. You- you'll understand once I demonstrate it to you.
0: Totally. And-, and one thing that was really interesting about Sarah's upbringing that she spoke about was that her dad would ask her every day, what did you fail at? And so every mm-hmm. day when she was at the kitchen table, like imagine your parents asking you, Hey, like, yeah, what did you fail at today? So she could just build that rep to just fail. So she is like, ha- she has this like really fearless like mentality, yeah, like normalized, and just yeah, yeah, totally. Like, it, like it's gonna work out. It's gonna be okay. So I think that definitely helps as being a saleswoman. I know Jeff, you and I were both in like sales type roles where we had to go, you know, have Professor Doors be slammed on us all the time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but just building those reps was super interesting. And then to tie back into the culture we were talking about. Sarah actually has her employees go through this like boot camp like once a year and I believe one of the parts of the boot camp is actually every single person has to do a stand up line so they actually you know go up in front of all the other empo- employees during this boot camp <laughs> and do a bit of stand up and that the thinking there is just to build in that you know it's okay to fail and I think that is so critical for any company that wants to be innovative is like hey you know we're going to be throwing spaghetti at the wall and sometimes it's all going to slide off but once you get that perfect meatball in the window, like it's it's going to be great.
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think that building those reps to be not necessarily think skin, but just understanding that it's okay to be transparent and get feedback and understand that this is like going to help you in your career. I think all those are really great qualities. In 2021, which is just last year, uh, Blakely sold a majority stake of Spanx to Blackstone. And at the time, Spanx was valued at $1.2 billion dollars. The deal was prepared by an all-female investment team from Blackstone, which is very, um, I guess, like in line with Sarah and her vision and her team. Uh, and it announced that the board of directors would be an all-female board under Sarah Blakely as the executive chairwoman. So I thought that was really cool. Um, so now Spanx is not privately owned anymore. It's a Blackstone company.
0: Yeah, And just like her story arc is just incredible. And, you know, she didn't take any equity. I know and a lot of the companies that we talk about are, you know, traditional Silicon Valley, venture capital backed Mm. companies that, you know, give up a significant portion of equity. And and Sarah didn't do that. She she took a good portion of that $1.2 billion, which is incredible and kind of unheard of to, you know, hold on to that brand for so long. But yeah, yeah, as as Jeff said, we can talk about who this, who Spanx is for. So it's definitely a large customer market. Americans spent $13 billion on women's underwear in 2019. Um it, to sum it up, you know, Spanks customers, you know, as I mentioned earlier, are a bit on the higher end and the more premium end of the market. You know, just looking at some of their shapewear, for example, it's like $150 for like a full mid-thigh bodysuit, $68 for some high-waisted briefs. So it's definitely, you know, premium products that, that you're looking at here. I'd like to talk a little bit about. A little bit more about Sarah's marketing and sales philosophy here. So, you know, as Jeff mentioned, she has a very interesting philosophy that was shaped by her selling fax machines door to door, office to office, before starting Spanx. And so she she mentions in her she's mentioned before that everything in life is about sales. She also says that you should sell the problem, not the product. So she the goal there was to get people more emotional. So you know she went through like a bunch of different pitches to. to, talk to buyers at like Neiman Marcus or name your retailer. And they would say like, you know, you know, does your butt look bad in white pants and the big, like, it's not look doesn't look great. There's no, there's nothing else out there that I can, I can have. And then she's like, Hey, like, you know, like Jeff said, come with me to the bathroom and I can show you how good this is going to look. And so she was really teasing out that emotional, like feel of like, Hey, like this is a problem here. And so, um, she also wanted to serve the right customer. So like not just any customer with Spanx and, you know, with the go to market strategy here, like she didn't want to compete against the bigger guys in the market segment or rather the people that were making traditional pantyhose, like the, uh, like the legs and the Hanes of the world. She wanted that premium and more expensive product. That was yeah. really differentiation. Uh, so it really differentiated rather. And then, that led to her whole strategy in those higher end channels that Jeff mentioned, like the Nordstroms and the Neiman Marcuses of the world. And so it's really hard to, I mean, to her point, I think it's a good strategy because I think it's really hard to move, you know, up in the segment if you start as a non-premium brand. I think mm-hmm. it would have been really hard for her if she was selling, you know, ten dollar pantyhose yeah. <laughs> and then move up to like this, you know, sixty five dollar mid thigh <laughs> short. Um, one thing I'll also say too is when she was, we've talked a lot about her. You know, Jeff mentioned. The board of directors uh, was all women, and the people at at Blackstone that acquired her uh, were women as well. And just like the, the the purpose of the company is to serve women, it was really interesting when Sarah spoke about going into her manufacturing facilities, uh, which were all in North Carolina. That's where a lot of you know clothing still gets manufactured today. That it was all men. Like it was these men that were building their the existing products that had mm-hmm. never worn pantyhose before, like never put on a bra before. I didn't really understand the pain points and problems, and she, and Sarah didn't have that experience that she could she could she could talk to. So, you know, it, it was just kind of like. Really frustrating for her to see this like industry that's like you know hundreds of years old that had no women making the decisions and calling the shots. So I love that she was able to take and and solve a problem and just move this whole market towards building products that are actually built for women. And then the other um, like interesting thing as I was diving into you know women's clothing is looking at bras. So if you look at like women's brasiers and even cup sizes and how like inaccurate they are. Uh, the cup system was actually like, started by this, this guy, and he looked at one woman, which uh, are one woman, and then took that, I think as like the B size or C size cup, and then just scaled up or down from there. Huh. So like, it, it wasn't ever just like fit and form for each specific woman. It was just like, you know, let's add 10% and call it an a cup or like or your C cup, whatever it is. So really fascinating how, you know, just having that unique and different perspective can create this amazing differentiated product like Spanx. And then, you know, to tie it all together with Sarah's, like, fun personality is uh, she mentioned that she absolutely loved bazooka bubblegum. And so, Jack, you've had bazooka bubblegum, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what what are your thoughts on the gum? Like, do you you like the taste of it?
1: The gum's whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be be pretty frank. I remember the gum being kind of, like, hard, and it's just, like, generic bubblegum tasting bubblegum. But I do remember that, I kind of remember, like, a red, white, and blue packaging, and It's like an older brand of gum, right? Like from really, really old, like World War old. (laughs) Totally. So that's exactly what she said. She's like, you know, like no one likes bazooka bubble gum for the
0: taste. What they really like it for is the little cartoons. So she thought that like was an interesting like marketing thing to put into the – or marketing mechanism to put into all of the Smake's packaging an actual cartoon. So – Every single Spanx package came with this different cartoon that was like women and just like this interesting problem. And she wanted to give that as like a kudos and throwback to to Bazooka Bubblegum. But yeah, that's that's who Spanx is for, is built by and, and made for for women. So I absolutely love what Sarah has been able to do with Spanx.
1: I think that bazooka anecdote is really interesting because she's kind of implying that like the product is bad by saying because <laughs> she was like, Oh, nobody likes bazooka bubblegum, but they like the cartoons, so we're gonna put the cartoons with spangs. But people like spangs, so I don't I don't want to like go that far, but yeah, I think that that's kind of like a weird anecdote to say. Cool, let's talk about competitors. Again, like we just had to kind of look and ask here. Mike and I are not the experts, but um, you know, traditional pantyhose makers like legs and Hanes, uh, Sheertex, slims or other brands that we found. Kim Kardashian has a really popular shapewear brand right now. And then there's also Third Love. So I think there's other folks in this space transitioning away from this like one size fits all model of um, small, medium, large or whatever. Uh, and then going more towards like more custom built shapewear. You know, Mike had mentioned before, gave the story about the um, the bra sizes. And I also kind of mentioned that the waistbands were kind of customized to people instead of one size fits all pieces of elastic. So yeah, I think uh, the the good thing about Spanx is that they, you know, want to treat women as different individuals and want to make sure that there's products specific for them. L- let's jump into our thoughts. I guess like this is a hard one because it's not, you know, one that we've obviously tried to use before, or, like can really empathize too much with. and I, But I do want to jump into at least like the company and then the vision and the CEO, which I think is fantastic. Sarah is a really fantastic leader. I think there's no doubting that. And then she had a really great strategy and vision. She wanted to build a differentiated product that she felt was a premium product, didn't want to kind of sell her company for short, and then was able to kind of build this brand from the ground up, starting from, you know, $5,000 investment at age of 27, and now in 2021, selling that at a $1.2 billion gain. Um, So yeah, really, really fantastic job there growing the brand clearly people like the product otherwise you know people wouldn't have invested in the in the company in the brand bought the product told people about it you can't really say that the reason why it's big is because of marketing or advertising because she didn't really do too much of that and she didn't really sell the brand short um, so all those things I felt like really point to the fact that Spanx is a quality product and one that people enjoy purchasing and really believe and can get behind so I think because of all that, I'm going to give it a 4.0. You know, I, I don't know too much about other uh, competitors in the space in terms of shapewear, unfortunately. So it's hard for me to say where Spanx really lies. I will fully admit that this is something that is in my blind spot. In this particular episode, I'm going to give Spanx a 4.0. I think fantastic leader, fantastic company, really great mission and brand. I like that they are um, a problem first type company where they're thinking about the issues and not trying to pitch to solutions. So all that is, I think, really good.
0: Yeah, and I definitely echo everything you said there. <laughs> I know like I've never worn Spanx. I know like my wife absolutely loves the brand. I'm gonna give Spanx a four point six and also with a lens of just looking at Sarah and, and and the company as as a whole, just you know, from their strategy of go to market and, and how they went for the high price point products to just the the purpose and the vision and just how true they've stayed to that over the, you know, past like X amount of years that they've they've been around. And one thing I really loved about Sarah is that she definitely takes a beginner's mindset approach towards everything and kind of just gets to that first principles questions of like, why are things like this, you know, mm-hmm. there's some anecdotes of like her being in like the um, North Carolina manufacturing centers and talking to the guys and she was, you know, trying to remove a plastic band that was inside of your um, waistband. And she's like, why? Like, it just doesn't feel right, you know, she, And she mm-hmm. put it on, she couldn't describe it to people. So she's just like kept asking the question of, like, why? And, like, it turns out there was this, like, little piece of rubber inside of the waistband that because materials weren't up to the, you know, current quality, they wouldn't hold everything together, so they had to put that band to tie everything together. I see. But... Because you know the materials had like improved so much, that you didn't actually need that. So the, and she's she's like the band's really uncomfortable. Can we just take it out and try? And like she did, and like that became one of like her patents of like you know having it you know that whatever like without the rubber thing in there. Bandless, I'm totally, yeah, yeah bands. I'm t- I'm totally butchering like it, but it, it was really fascinating t- to see her approach and kind of just you know, willingness to fail and just try things and just be really true to, you know, herself and her passion and vision. And and it really shows. So yeah, really, really like Spanx. I'm excited to, you know, maybe try out some of the menswear because it's uh, like, just because of like, you know, knowing Sarah had something to, to design this and how comfortable it might be. So it will be on my radar if I, if I see it. Um, Cool. Well, that was fun and definitely off the, uh, not our normal tech products, but I wanted to just, you know, throw this one into the works to, to chat about. So those are our thoughts on Spanx and Sarah Blakely. So, you know, we'd love to continue to hear from our audience. You know, we love all the engagement that we're getting on Twitter. Thanks everyone for the, for the shout outs and, and saying what you liked and didn't like about the episodes. You know, we love that engagement with our audience. So please continue to reach out with us. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at ProdXPodcast. That's P R O D. EX Podcast.
1: Yeah, and if you like the show, be sure to like us and subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. And let us know what products we should review next. See you next episode.